Hey, what's going on? This is Jay Glover. Welcome to another Midnight Podcast. Uh, volume 26. Not too much to where you can't drive. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is embarking yeah. on a year of game, experience, lessons, uh, anecdotes, musings. You literally have more than 24 hours of me giving you game in finance, in love, in politics, in everyday life. I told y'all this was going to be a story. And with every story, there's an end to the story. It just wouldn't be right. But before we get to the end, I want to do this one episode to give you a parallel of just how far shit carries. Because I always told y'all throughout this podcast, I genuinely believe it may not carry right now, but in the long run, y'all going to be looking back at this and referring to this for problems that you have in your life. I guarantee it. Uh, and one of those things that I've understood was trying to bridge the past into the future presently, meaning the things that you've heard up until this point are things that you probably need to hear now or just need to appreciate so that it doesn't happen to you I've done everything and all went through all the things that you've heard throughout this entire story so that you wouldn't have to go through it so that you can understand okay Jay went through it so I wouldn't have to go through it he did that so I wouldn't have to do this that's that's and it's not moderism or you know moderatism or or uh, um, self-sacrificing. It's just the simple fact that I feel it was my duty the entire year to give y'all some game so y'all don't fuck it up. Now, albeit y'all fucked it up, <laughs> but at least you have something on record to refer to and be like, okay. How how was he looking at it? How was Jay spitting game and you know because I went through my shit on this podcast. I went through y'all heard all the shit that happened. Like I I've been through my fair share of shit throughout 2020 and 2021. This is a special time. This is like a time capsule of radical change in America that you have heard for the last 24 25 hours. A living piece of current history at this time. You have been a witness to. From someone who lived it. Someone who breathed this era. And someone who you will find out tonight. Helped contribute to all this. That was happening. At this time of what you're hearing. In 2020 and 2021. 
Uh, and the reason why I say that is because if you refer back to the very first episode, the very first volume, I remember telling you guys about a dude named Rajiv that was uh, I, that was somebody uh, that I was associated with in a way <laughs> back in Kyrgyzstan. And one of the things that I always still to this day, even two months into the Biden administration, two months, and I still think about this every single day, ever since Rajiv told, asked me, why do we Americans trust things too much? Like, why do we just go in and say, hey, you know what? That's the expert. I, so we should we should trust them. Because the experts know. And it's logical to think that. And it's fair to think that. And actually, nine times out of ten, you're right. But if you shift the narrative a little bit, you I think I think I have a good understanding why QAnon exists. I I think I have a good understanding on why uh racism exists. You know, I, I, I now I'm not sitting here saying I got the answers for him, but I feel like I understand it. And one thing is just the perception of reality. Our perception of things in this country is totally fucked, people. It really is. And perception is a bitch. And that's something that I think firsthand experience. Not I'm not speaking like you know, election interference and shit. I'm talking like I've done some hand-to-hand conversations with Russians and Kyrgyz and Chinese people in my face at the age of 19, 20 years old in support of the United States and all of our allies in Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, And it was the first time I understood how the manipulation of pop propaganda could really form the reality for those who trust too much. Like my man Rajiv once asked me, well, I'd never told anybody in this entire podcast was Rajiv didn't know that he was being uh he was being stung it was a sting operation and i was the plant uh so when he asked me that i, I it still kills me to this day to think about it because i was the person who put the drop on this man uh And I was the one, I don't know what happened after it, but it was the first and only time I've ever snitched on somebody in my life that I can remember of any consequence where it it made me think about shit. Like, are they going to come back and get me? You know, kind of thing. Uh, and I think about that in this country, in the uh, situation that this country is currently in as far as uh, just politics and geopolitics are concerned. I just, I just feel like 
China, Russia, all them dudes are just waiting for a reason to get up in our ass. Like, now that plan A is out the window with Donald Trump, plan B and C, I don't think anybody wants to come through, but I feel like we're teetering towards that. Um, And there's a lot of things that I learned in Kyrgyzstan that I see today. You know, whether it's racism, whether it's our own government, whether it's the people within our own government and, you know, law enforcement and X, Y and Z and all that. Um, I don't I don't think any of what's going on as of March 2021, I don't think anything that's happened is surprising as it is saddening. Like, damn, like I went over there to prevent all this shit happening here 10, 12, 15 years ago, and they still got here some way, somehow. They they got their plant. They the, Donald Trump, they got their plant, and this man did some gangster shit. And I feel like, personally, karma was just kind of slapping me in the face because of the fact that I kind of, on a smaller scale, remember all these stories are microcosms of a bigger problem, but the problem is still there. Uh, Every story you've heard, you could relate that to a bigger story in America and it will still make sense. Go ahead, try any episode. Episode 17... 13, 14, 19, 22, 23, doesn't matter. You can listen to any episode, I guarantee you, and you can draw a line from that episode to what is happening today. Anything. I've I've went through these things to make sure that if someone else were to go through those things, they wouldn't have to think about it or or try to game it like I had to learn how to game it. Because that shit puts you back, man. It really does. I I put myself so far back trying to learn the game of America. But it's game over now. Like now, now America got a problem. And I'm and I'm part of it because of the fact that I know what America is throwing at me. I know I know why we're here. And it's and it's it's a retaliation of things that I put myself in. And once again, it's not just me, but just I use myself as the microcosm of a bigger picture of a bigger problem. Uh, and for me, it was it was serving at the highest of the America of the American government. And doing things that I kind of feel like were wrong on a uh, humanity level. But in the eyes of the country was right. Uh, When I was in Kyrgyzstan, you know, I... I was there as a third-party escort. And what those... What that was, was 
essentially we were just glorified supervisors. Uh, nationals, Kyrgyz, uh, Chinese, Russian people in Kyrgyzstan needed money. They need jobs. It's a very fucking poor country. I could, I remember one of my favorite dudes that used to work there. He was a Kyrgyz dude. He was a lawyer. He was a lawyer. Went to law school in Bishkek. That's the capital of Kyrgyzstan. He went to law school. He had his own firm. And when he went on base, our base, he was cleaning shit toilets and, you know, doing shit like that. And we paid him more doing that as America, as an American institution. The American government paid him more to do that than him to actually practice law in his own country. That's socialism. That's what socialism does right there. That that's why I have a big problem with that shit. That's why I have a big problem with communism because I've seen what that looks like. Think about what I just told you. There is a lawyer out there. You know that this is 2007 I'm talking about. This is 13, 14 years ago I'm telling you. This nigga is out here fighting the law with his brain and he's getting paid less than cleaning a fat-ass American shitting all over the toilets. And he's happy with it. He's like, dude, it's going back into my law firm. It's more money than I, I could ever make outside of these gates. That's that. Those were the people that we were dealing with. And I built a great relationship with a lot of them. I wanted to understand the cultures. I wanted to understand why we were there. Even as a supply base... Um, we, we saw a lot of people come back and forth from, uh, sorry about that. I'm moving around on my shit. Uh, (laughs) but we saw a lot of people come back and forth from Afghanistan and, you know, that area and you see a lot of men and women going in there with the pride of America. But when they come back, they look broken. They look like broken toys that just don't want to be played with anymore. And they let you know that I've, I've mean, I'm talking special forces, you know, infantry, you know, this was a joint base at the time. And there was a supply, it was a supply base. And the reason why we were up there was because of the fact that we had to deal with Russia. At the time, George W. George W. Bush <laughs> Jr., he uh he and Putin struck a deal, you know, to use former Soviet property, if you will since it was in close proximity and strategically beneficial for us to bomb some niggas left and right in Afghanistan. At that time, okay, it made sense because, hey, they were still on some shit down there. But the, 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 the whole premise of it being there that I've come to learn to find out uh, was more of a business move. We were only allowed to stay at Manas 
on a lease, first of all. We got kicked out like in 2012, 2013, um, which happens to be around the same time that the whole entire airport of you know, Bishkek International Airport was rebuilt, remodeled, redone, and updated through our own hands. I shouldn't say our own hands, but the country, men and women, and, but we were the ones that paid for them to, to build all that shit. It was like Russia was like, okay, come, you can stay in our house, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put in the money in the investment. To fix it up. And then once you fix it up and you want to live in it, they're like, well, technically you're breaking in our house now. So either you can leave or we'll make a big fuss about it. This is Russia that I'm talking about. This is Russia. This is how they roll. This is how they roll. So in the midst of all this, I told you about the what the primary job was. I remember one time we were in... to understand a little bit of military lingo we all had call signs so that other people can't and wouldn't know who we were as far as names so they couldn't get familiar with us they couldn't get any information on us x y and z right so i remember there had been a big stink about soliciting prostitution and fraternizing with other country other countries militaries uh because it was an american owned base but we had romanian forces uh spain like forces from spain france uh 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 germany uh and all of them uh special forces air crew uh infantry artillery whatever you name that was the base that everybody was at just chilling right and coming back in in and out of from war that was kind of like the gateway into afghanistan and out of afghanistan and um whilst if you think about this this is a deep trove of valuable information and strategy at the hands of Russia. Now, this is where my story comes in. In the midst of all this, a lot of Russian nationals, and at that time, the country was itself, and I still think it is, was run as a mob government, meaning gangs and seedy organizations from Russian interest were controlling that country. So it was a sovereign nation controlled by an outside nation. Think of Crimea. It was think of Crimea on um, in Ukraine and that's what Kyrgyzstan was. But once again, George W just wanted to bomb some niggas left and right and he didn't care how. He just wanted to make sure and being a Texan he was like, look, I know you want money, so what is it what is it gonna take for us to be able to get this land that we think is perfect for us to start bombing niggas from? And um there was a lot of there was a lot of uh information handling, if you will, between 
people getting blackmailed and, you know, solicited for, you know, and, you know, fear of retribution from, you know, the United States government, because we will put a foot up your ass if we catch you fucking up. Uh, <laughs> especially if you're in the military. I know I will get to that point in the story soon, but, <laughs> but, but I know firsthand that the capabilities of the U S government fucking somebody up in the ass. Like I know that. And every person who served or, uh, has done some sort of public service or civil service, uh, for this country knows that as well. Um, but, we had caught wind. There were, I guess the higher-ups had caught wind. And because our squadron was the most accessible to all these nationals, the Kyrgyz, the Russians, the, uh, the Chinese, uh, they had, based on our jobs here in America, like our AFSCs or our MOSs or our job titles in the military, they selected... You know, me being in knowledge operations and having to deal with that communications, uh, I was selected with like seven or eight other people within the squadron to essentially spawn our own country, men and women. Uh, and to we were kind of like double agents, like, but it was it was cool until it got scary. And the reason why I say it got scary was because of the fact that there were times that I was put in situations where I didn't feel comfortable putting myself in. Because beforehand, up until this point, I was cool with everybody. You know, there was this gate at the beginning, at the front of the base that, you know, every other day or so, you know, or every day we would go up there to meet the people that we would be working with or watching work for that day. So let's say, you know, the shit trucks would come in, you know, to clean up all the porta potties. Whoever has shit truck duty uh, would go to the gates when the shit truck showed up. And, you know, we were the ones that processed the men and signed them in. And they were kind of like our wards uh, for, you know, you know, if there were anything to happen on base, they would go to the person that was supposed to be with them at that time and ask that airman, hey, what the fuck happened? Why? Why did this shit happen? That was on your watch. You just put this whole base. In jeopardy, like you're fucked kind of deal. So that was the reason why we went down there as escorts. And that was our job as escorts. You know, the base had to run efficiently and we would employ people of the nation as a goodwill uh to work on the base and we were the people that looked at and watched over those people that worked on the base that was a part that was you know our kyrgyz national uh just to remind y'all so the commander i remember i can't remember her name but it was a woman uh and she was very tan. She looked, she, you could tell she was older, but she didn't act that way. She acted like the age I am now, 33, 34. And, uh, she, she came in, I will never forget that she came in the room and she was just like, okay, we just got word that 
there's certain people that are sharing information within the squadron with Pete, with, you know, people that you guys all watch and work with. And they are giving that information back to their higher ups. Remember, Kyrgyzstan was a mob government. So there were plants that were coming in and working on the base just to collect information and then go out and they would just use their jobs as a cover to get information on what was going on within the base. So when I had to be a part of when I was privy to that and remember guys, I was 19, 20 years old and they would put me in some shit like this. Uh, it was cool. It's not as exciting as it was, uh, as it sounds, it's, it's fairly boring, but I just, I just think that how they came about the whole situation and what they did afterwards, it wasn't cool with me. Uh, and the reason why they used me was because I was the most, according to them, they were like, you know, Airman Glover, they all, like, out of all the people that we've selected, you're the one that they all feel the most accessible to. Like, we don't, like, we don't have anything on you. We just think that you can get the best information out of all the people that are in on this situation right now, on this operation. And you can give us, you know, the hard data that we need to get these motherfuckers, right? So that brings me back to Rajiv. And for some odd reason, I think they knew, like, I think Rajiv knew because he started seeing me too often. Like, I was his handler, like, too often after a while. And that's when he asked me that fucking question. And how, you know, why do you Americans, why do you Americans trust us too much? Why do you trust things too much, too easily? And, uh, I never, I, I, I think I could not, and it's been on the back of my mind for all these years because I think he knew. And at that time, I think I knew he knew. I think that's why he had the nine millimeter out in the middle of the Escalade. And I mean, come on, this is a Russian dude in Kyrgyzstan driving around on base on American Escalade. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. And he owned the company. It was a cleaning company. Beautiful women. We called them the bumblebees because they had yellow hats, yellow shirts and black pants and black shoes. And, you know, that that was their uniform attire. And, you know, Rajiv, think of a, a fat Russian dude, you know, with, you know, the hamburger meat coming out of his, you know, shirt, you know, kind of opened, you know, think of like, I know it's a bad example, but think of like a sleazy Ron Jeremy, but Russian and bald. And that's, and that was Rajiv. Um, <laughs> but he was the one that was pipping out those bumblebees, these women, to people within our squadron and throughout the base to give him information and hard data for him to take back to his superiors off base. Now, 
I, I caught wind of this. We we talked. This was like maybe a two month operation. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, I think when I, the last day I was there and we were at you know talking about you know, and we had a blast. We had a blast the last day I ever saw him, and um, you know, we were talking. I had a I had a little chip microphone chip in my uh, little lapel underneath my uh, uh, my desert camos at that time, and uh, I remember we were talking, you know, bullshit, listening to music, and the question that I asked him was, you know, something along the lines like, you know. Hey, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you heard, man, but you know, shit. I, I, and part of me, I feel like was helping him, but the other part of me was just trying to see what the fuck he would do. And I was like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be careful because a lot of people are getting popped for doing some stupid shit out here. Right. And so Rajiv, he gets very, you know, he gets very serious for him. He's like, what do you mean? And I was just like, look, dude, I like you a lot, man. I just don't want anything bad to happen. But, you know, just keep a watch out of things that, uh, you know, just keep a watch out. Of. And at this time, I didn't know it was Rajiv. You know, I didn't know it was Rajiv at that time. Because he would never, he would never proposition me for his girls or anything, and I was like, you know, just watch out, right? So, you know, a couple of days pass, you know, I get on him again, and you know, my commander was asking me questions the, that day after, like, why the fuck would you imply that? I was like, look, he had, he didn't do anything that day, but at least he knows we're watching. Maybe that might stop him. So she was like, okay, whatever. All right. Thanks for the report, Airman Glover kind of thing. So a few weeks later come by and, you know, I get him again. And we are out on the flight line, you know, rebuilding parts of the flight line so that the planes can actually land and go as they please instead of all the fucked up gravel that they were landing on. Uh, <laughs> when I first got there, and uh, if you look at the pictures of Manas uh, of uh, Bishkek International Airport, it looks beautiful. That we built that. I was there when we built that. Like we built all that. Like I was there. <laughs> like, it, and it looks beautiful. Those were made. That those were made by Kyrgyz hands and paid by American money. So whenever you go there. Uh, let motherfuckers know that, you know, Russians, when Russia needed our help, we helped them and they turned around and fucked us at the end of it all. But that's, that's between him and Hillary Clinton. That's a different story. Um, but my story ends with going back and this time he propositions me. Like, 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 he thinks we're cool. 
he thinks we're cool now. He's like, hey, and I and I really tried to help him. I was like, dude, I ain't trying to do all that. And he was like, hey, do you like these girls in the back? And I was the, the Bumblebee girls, right? And I was just like, yeah, they're cute. They're cute. Yeah. And he was like, you're very young. You're very, you got a lot of energy, very vigorous. Uh, he was like, he was like, maybe they could help you. And I was like, okay, this nigga is, this nigga's the, the man. Like, okay, he's actually propositioning me for this shit. Like, and I, and I had to ask him, I was like, who else has done it? I was like, well, you know, kind of like, you know, that Chris Hansen shit where, you know, I had to play that innocent 13 year old girl when that 13 year old girl was obviously a 30 year old woman. That was me. I had to be that innocent boy was, that was, was like, oh, well, I don't, I'm not sure who, well, who, you know, do you know anybody else that could, and for some odd reason, I think he was drinking liquor, but he was telling me everybody. He was like, yeah, this guy, you know, this guy, you know, we took him over there, you know, we're not back, you know, behind the connexes, let him do his thing while we were working, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he would never tell me what they gave up. He would just tell me who, who accepted it. It was like, like three guys. And so, uh, we get it all on tape and, you know, I, I I just I'm I'm my eyes are closed right now and you know after the end of that I'm I'm like in the booth right now my eyes are closed because I'm trying to dig deep to twenty year old Giselle right now and uh, he what what happened was when I asked him about all that. You know, we were just chit-chatting. And we discussed it in a way to where it was kind of un- unassuming. It was just kind of like part of the conversation. And, uh, you know, part of one of the things was just him asking us why we needed to be in Kyrgyzstan. And I, and I was just like, well, I was like, that's above my pay grade. But uh, in essence, you we're here so that we can whoop ass down in Afghanistan and build better relations with Russia. And that was when he dropped that. He's like, you Americans, why do you, why do you trust us too much? Why, why, like, why do you, why are you so trusting of something that you're not familiar with kind of thing? And I didn't have an answer for that because I was thinking, well, why do you trust me enough to sit there and tell me who and who isn't out here fucking your hoes? Like, and giving you information for that. Like, and you using that as blackmail so that you can get information out of them. Like, like, what, what, what? And I think I didn't have an answer for him. I didn't answer it. I was just like, I don't know, Rajiv. I, I, that's a good question, man. And, you know, 10, 12 years later, I now realize why he asked me that question. I think he knew what was about to happen or he had a good idea of what was happening because it was just convenient that he didn't show up after that. And a couple of weeks after that, I was gone. I, I got shipped back to the States. Um, but I just, 
I, I don't believe in coincidences. I'm too old for coincidences. But I think it's little small things like that. You know, him being a Russian and, you know, getting dimed out by an American person such as myself. And uh, I think it's just shit like that that came back to bite us in the ass 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and now 2021, these past five or six years. Because it's kind of like they wanted it to be our turn. They wanted us to be regime. Like we've done some re- as a as a country, as a government, as a military, we've done regime level type shit. We've caused coups in other countries. We've interfered in elections in other countries. We've assassinated leaders of other countries. Uh just as recently as just this year. Uh and last year when uh Donald Trump blew the shit out of uh uh iran's uh top general uh same thing with biden bombing people uh militias that are backed by iran in iraq it's just it's a cold game of cat and mouse and i think that's what he was trying to drop game on me about was just you know okay you might you might be the cat but don't underestimate the mouse. Don't think that the mouse mouse can't outsmart you either. I don't know. I just I just been thinking about all the shit that's been happening in this country these last two months. You know, all these people that are elected for the for the good of all constituents, not just the constituents that voted for them and you know, all these people coming to find out militias having inside links with with the Trump administration and people in the Trump administration orchestrating with these militias to overthrow government. Like, did we trust our government so much that we couldn't believe that it happened? So we don't want to believe it's happening. Like these are real situations that are happening. Like, I, I, it's just, that's why people need to travel. That's why people need to go out and travel the world and just get a different perspective. Because I've been in love with the world and the common consensus of Americans, this is before Trump ever was even a thought in politics. We, we, we don't have a good reputation outside of these borders it's just that now the chickens have come home to roost and everybody's kind of sending our shit back to us and now we're having to deal with all the shit that we've been doing to other countries and ourselves these past couple of decades but now it's just all compounded onto us and I feel like these last four years where we were focused on us, we let a lot of shit go out there. And I and trust me, I was reading all the stories, you know, by Iran and, you know, J- Jamal Khashoggi and, you know, Alexei Navalny and Russia and, you know, things happening in Europe, you know, 
there were there were still things, you know, Boko Haram in Africa. There was a lot of shit happening. North Korea, all the, the gangster shit was happening. While we were dealing with Donald Trump, Donald Trump was allowing all that shit outside to happen. We are now trying to get back into all that outside shit and shit's changed and now people ain't playing with us anymore. It's funny that once Biden became president, everybody started shutting the fuck up on the outside because now they know that Biden's looking out there. He's like, look, we got our shit handled down here. We already know what we need to do. We got 200, 200 plus years of practice, mainly against brown and black people. But unfortunately, we're going to have to use it against these white folks now. But nonetheless, we got practice. We could deal with this. We could deal with it with the inside insurrection. Deal with that shit. We'll live through it. What we what I'm fearful for is what we have to deal with other countries for these next four years. Because while Trump didn't really have a foreign policy, Biden has a strategic foreign policy. But I think the strategy is outdated and behind. And I think I think that's the biggest thing that Donald Trump, the biggest obstruction that Donald Trump has created was the fact that because he let so much shit happen, allow or let so much shit slide in other countries. A lot of people trusted him too much to be that dude. And now they're tied with them. And now their interest lies with what he does and doesn't do. So now it's starting to reflect in people like fucking Ted Cruz and John Cornyn and Kevin McCarthy and Greg Abbott and Dan are in a fucking Lieutenant Governor uh, Rick Patrick. Some some do Rick Perry fucking all of them. These are all just Texas representatives, mind you. Republican Texas representatives. You know, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm trying to get the fuck out of Texas. Because now, Texas is acting all sorts of fucked up and crazy just because, of, just because Biden and Kamala is running the country now. Like... I, I don't have a good feeling about Texas. And my nigga Tutone, my man, he, he told me, he was like, I just don't want you to end up in some stupid shit again. He, and I, I think he was talking about, you know, what happened in volume 10 with the whole jail thing and shit. But just like Rajiv, I, I think the, I think, I think just the ether in the air, what he told me, was meant for something bigger. Just like when Rajiv was like, why do you trust some, why do you trust, why do you Americans trust things too much? I, you know, he was talking specifically about Russians and outside countries that we aren't familiar with, but I think of it in applicable terms to us as Americans, period, just trusting you know, big brother and saying, okay, well, they're the experts. We should know, or uh, they should know we have trusted them. And that's why I see the, 
I see why those motherfuckers ran up that capital and did what they did. They're stupid. They deserve to get thrown the book at them. And sad, sad, I mean, it's sad to say, but there's a lot of punk bitches that were in that crowd because a lot of them are crying, saying, how come this is happening to me? I just want to go home. I was wrong. I didn't mean I was just I was just playing. But what they didn't realize was the government doesn't play. They don't play. There's no playing around with the feds. I don't care if you're white, black. And now they're getting all the beatdowns and shit that black and brown people used to get. Because that's where all the resources have to go now. Now it's a now it's a problem they have to confront. Now white supremacy and you know uh white identity politics have to be confronted because those things brought itself to the front door, literally, of the US Capitol. So this is not a bash against white people. This is not a bash against people in general it's, it's just I you know I, I feel like I had to give you a little spy story to give you a, a a sense of where we're at as a country like it's just it's just surreal it's just surreal to me to live through have lived through something like that and try to prevent you know, small little things just like disinformation and propaganda and, you know, you know, just an information war, essentially, that I was a part of. It was a part of an information war. And even though it was small, we won. The Americans won. You just heard someone. And once again, the incidences of, you know, uh, so a prostitution solicitation amongst the American ranks went down. Yeah, it's a small victory, but it's still a victory because that's less information that was give, being given out to, quote unquote, the enemy, if you will, or allies that had nefarious uses for that information. And I'm proud of doing my part as a soldier and as an airman, or not a soldier, but as an airman, and as a part of the you know United States government to keep this country free but i just scratch my head i think i think and you see it now i read any just type in riot and google news right or rioters or insurrectionists or whatever and it will show you story after story after story of people who said, I thought I was fired from my country. I realized I was on the wrong side. Please don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. I was wrong. Please give me a chance. The crime begging. Just a bunch of fucking bitches. Like instead of just sitting there with the head up high and just sitting there saying, yeah, I did that. And I deserve, okay, if this is if this is what it means to fucking be a patriot, then fuck it. I, I deserve these 20 years, but I'm going to fucking serve these 20 years as a patriot or whatnot. But these niggas are sitting here snitching. They're over there here snitching all over each other and sitting here saying I was wrong. And, you know, they were they were brave. 
Oh, they were down with the government being overthrown when it was happening. But when the government came after their asses like a bunch of black and brown people, they they started acting like a bunch of bitches. They didn't they didn't have that 200 year of history of having to deal with the government directly like black and brown people and Asian people. And now they're sitting here saying how they're being treated inhumanely and shit like that. Fuck y'all. Y'all weren't patriots. Y'all were just soy boys and girls that didn't get their way. And y'all got mad and y'all went overboard and y'all were dumbasses and y'all didn't think right. And y'all got exactly what y'all deserved. I've been to jail. I'm not proud to say that, but I've been to jail. for, And I felt like I went to jail for dumbass reasons. I refer you back to volume 10. I felt like that was a whole stupid situation. But I ain't bitching complaining to them. I took it in stride. I was like, okay, well, you know what? At the end of the day, I did break the law. I still think it's stupid, but fuck it. All I can do is just wait it out and see what happens. And ain't nobody doing that. This is two months into a Biden administration. And people are blaming the Biden administration for doing all this shit when it was a Trump administration that it that it happened it was on their watch that it happened on the trump administration and they started going after motherfuckers while donald trump was still in office the fbi director is republican donald trump selected him with his own hands and said this is christopher ray you are our guy to protect this country from itself and christopher ray is doing a brilliant job as a republican impartial Republican of the FBI. Blue Lives Matter that day, the whole Blue Lives Matter, think about this. Think about this. After January 6th, tell me one time you've heard Blue Lives Matter be uttered. Tell me. I'll wait. I thought I'll wait. No, 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 no. Don't take your time. Take your time. Because I haven't heard anything about Blue Lives Mattering ever since the insurrection. I don't know where I don't know where I was going with this, man. I just I wanted to do a rant, man. I just you know I guess I'm heartbroken and I keep thinking about what that nigga Rajiv told me. Why do you trust? Why do you Americans trust too much? And I think those people are. That's I. What I think they're all saying. They all are saying. I regret going to that thing. I regret. I regret it. You know. Now some of them are bold and saying. Well I would have done it again. But I regret going through and having to deal with this. And the only reason why they regret is because they're going, they're getting snapped up and caught up left and right. But it it just took a Russian nigga. (laughs) It took a Russian man to sit there and throw some game. And to be honest with you, 
I think those words resonated with me and saved my life on many occasions. Just that thought. Why why am I trusting this too much? Why like with with everything in America, why trust it too much? Be smart. That's why I always read the news. I don't trust, I don't trust it. And I don't read one news source. I read multiple news sources of the same story just to make sure. Because it could be Slate. It could be CNN. It could be Fox News. It could be Newsmax. It could be uh, 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 Washington Post, New York Times. It could be The Guardian. It could be Politico. It could be Washington Examiner. It could be any fucking thing. I can't just read one article and say, oh, okay, CNBC said it was it was this, so it must be this. No, I'm going to go to the right. Okay, well, what does Fox News say about the same subject? Oh, okay, they're saying this. Okay, what, well, what about a moderate one like The Guardian? Let me check that out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess the, I guess, I guess this is like an ode to episode one where I was just like, you know, talking about trusting one another in America. And, uh, you know, a year later, I'm sitting here and I think a lot of people didn't catch that lesson, man. Or didn't want to understand that lesson because a lot of people trusted someone or somebody else too much and got themselves fucked up. Or or they're in the midst of on the run and getting themselves fucked up. I don't know, man. I just, I'm just, I'm just a whole year of another midnight podcast a whole year and i can't believe i'm sitting here telling y'all something i told y'all a year ago you know you trusted something that you weren't familiar with and now you're dealing with unfamiliar shit and i'm talking to you insurrectionists i'm talking to you rioters i'm talking to you blue lives matter people now I'm not sitting here saying if you're married to a cop or something that their lives don't matter. No, their lives matter. But it's just convenient. It just it just sounds too convenient that after the whole insurrection thing and a couple of cops dying. uh, Ain't nobody saying blue lives matter anymore. And I want to know why. This is Another Midnight Podcast. Tonight's episode of Another Midnight Podcast features music from Currency in his 2014 mixtape Saturday Night Cartoons. Follow Standard Active Laboratories on Facebook and Instagram. You can donate and support shows like Another Midnight Podcast at anchor.fm forward slash Midnight Podcast Club. Lastly, if you are interested in being a part of Standard Labs, please send us an email at midnightpodcastclub at gmx.us and don't forget to take a bath. It's good for the soul. Thank you and good night, my dear humans. Beautiful people. I want to thank y'all for coming out tonight. Yes, yes, yes.
Clap your hands with me one time. Hey, hey, side high, huh? Smooth rider, cool driver. Before that, me and my niggas would do martyr. Steel cars with slim gems and screwdrivers. Learn more from the streets than the school taught us. True scholars, new chopper. Or you lying on the ground, Mufasa. It's an eerie feeling when they try to Tupac you. Laying in the bed and don't know who shot you for a few dollars. Robbing jeans with some new products. Put these diamonds on my neck, cause my daddy was blue collar. Lower class school, I saw the past. We all failed history, but we swear we know our math. When I was in England, I felt like a grimy little boy. Cause I never thought that I would ever go to bath. And that's a line that some of y'all are never gonna grasp. But I can't wait to go back with my better half, cause. And now my partners need a purple pack Burying a friend and don't get no worse than that Black babies get arrested before they even develop Put us in a cage, I swear that shit is a setup But I'm just out here trying to keep it together Pay a few bills or get something to eat with the fellas cause Alright everybody, that was Sci High the Prince with his song uh, Everyday People from his uh, mixtape uh, Black History 2 uh, NAACP uh, I'm out here chilling at the corner store right now I took a nice little walk while y'all were listening to the podcast and you know, just wanted to talk to some folks out here and chill and kick it for a minute but uh yeah man we got more got two more episodes coming up for y'all um it should be fun man we're gonna we're gonna have a good we're gonna have a good time uh in the story ending it but yeah just wanted to throw that in there all right don't forget to take your bath you nasty ass good night